and welcome to the Last of the Moon podcast. I'm Bryce McCracken. I'm Wyatt Van Dyke. I'm Colleen McGovern. I'm Michael, Sarah, and Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Alan. <laughs> that was literally my middle name, so it's undeniable. Spelled differently, I think. I think he has two A's. Still waiting on your real name. Brett Redshaw. <laughs> Hi, Brett. Brett Allen Redshaw, if you will. Uh, they got my government now. That might as well be my social security number. If you're watching, you can see we're in costume. A little At bit. At least Brett and I are a little bit. That's because today we'll be talking about the film event of the year, Barbenheimer. This was, without a doubt, the most anticipated movie weekend in many, many, many years. Pre-COVID, frankly. Probably since Endgame. <gasps> That's so true. Um, the world is healing. We were very excited for this movie. At least I certainly was. Uh, I believe you all were as well. Um, but yeah, we had a, a whole day. We we bought tickets very far in advance. We separated our screenings so we could get a lovely little dinner, the four of us, and we enjoyed ourselves. It was a very good time. Lovely little dinner, to be clear, was McDonald's. I'm not saying that it wasn't a lovely little dinner because it was. It really hit the spot. But Burgatory would not take us. Well, they would. They were just like, yeah, it's going to be an hour wait. And we're like, the movie's in an hour. We can't do that. I yeah, guess. we were sad. So they we said we were McDonald's. They said we were too hot. Couldn't come in. They said we were too hot. They said, you know what? We don't actually serve guys in suits. It ruins our brand. So, so We, we got to turn the AC up to yeah. bring you guys in here. So uh, the, the Bryce and Brett, that's your name. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> Bryce and minute. Brett wore full suits. With these hats that they're wearing, if you're not seeing this, they're wearing some Oppenheimer-ass hats. Um, truly, truly accurate to the time period. I'm really proud of you guys for that. And so we got looks everywhere we went. I wore a $2 Shein suit. Um, not because I brought it from Shein. I bought it from a yard sale. Mm, and, you would say that. And then, <laughs> and, then I ch- and then I changed into a Barbie costume. And... Uh, Mr. Van Dyke here, Dr. At, uh, went as Ken. It was a good look. He looked really cute. He did look really cute. Uh, So we got a lot of looks everywhere we went. Colleen gets looks everywhere they go. Uh, There were plenty of people dressed in pink for Barbie. I'm pretty sure Brett and I were the only people in the theater that were dressed for Oppenheimer. (laughs) I saw on Twitter somebody who wore a suit that was half Oppenheimer, half Barbie. It was just black and pink. Down either side. It was fantastic. Uh, I did see one gentleman on the way out of the theater after seeing both movies that was in a full suit, but he kind of, he was by himself and an older guy, and he kind of just gave me the vibes that he just dresses like that. Oh my I don't know God. if you saw him. God, I didn't see him. You're I really, want to be him. You need the hat to pull it all together. If you don't have the hat, you got nothing. Yeah, and he didn't have anything. He had nothing, didn't he? Somebody, uh... Two guys, actually, we were passing, passing me in particular, <laughs> asked me uh, what movie we were going to go see in my full, <laughs> like, in my full suit and hat, the whole get up. And I was like, we're going to see Barbie, which was true. They looked so incredibly offended that I said that. They said, okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I might have had two. I, it's possible my tone was sharp with them. Because I was embodying Robert <laughs> J. Oppenheimer. J. Robert Opp- Oppenheimer. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, whenever you're uh, you're eight years old and then whatever movie personality you just turn into, that's what I did. I did that with spirit. I was just a horse. <laughs> Which was a crucial 
point in Barbie. That's a great point. (laughs) Dudes like horses. Dudes don't talk about liking horses enough. Dudes don't talk about liking horses enough. Unless you're Brett. He's like, I grew up on a horse farm. He does talk about that. My mom raised horses. Technically, if you don't raise any crops, it's actually a ranch. Technically, it's it's a ranch. Um, I have a complicated rela- relationship in history with horses. Um, I don't like to talk about it. So, kind of you a, love to talk about it. Kind of a sore spot. I don't, he doesn't talk. like to talk about it. <laughs> I don't we're really know why. About, we're gonna talk about Barbenheimer. Yay! Okay, don't really know why you would bring that up <laughs> and like really push it like that. It's kind of <laughs> fucked up. Uh, like I said, movie event of the year. The movie theater was absolutely packed. It was really? wonderful. We got there at what, like two two we p.m. Did, yeah. for for Oppenheimer. And the lines for concessions were just like a mile long on both sides. The theater was absolutely packed for both showings that we saw. Can I uh, mention as well yeah, in, about the concessions? The first time that I've ever seen the A-list line yes. adhered to, which is huge for Bryce, the only A-lister from AMC among us. <laughs> Every single time. Every single time we go get concessions, he's can't stand when people go to the a-list register <laughs> they don't have an a-list thing i have an a-list thing like every time it's like what am i paying for if nobody's gonna honor this and you're valid for that a waste of money yeah, ridiculous really please please carry on though yes uh i was just going to say it makes me very happy when movies are at the center of culture again like every person i knew was talking about seeing barbie or oppenheimer talking about what order they were going to see it talk like making memes and sharing memes yes it's it feels like it's been a very long time, even with Endgame, which was like technically a larger opening weekend than the two of these combined. It's like such a specific type of person is going to see Endgame. And the beauty of this event is no matter what your sensibilities are, one of these movies is probably going to be a movie that you like. Well, what's funny is one of my favorite memes was like every 15 years we have to choose and like this year, it's like between Barbie and Oppenheimer. And that was like a big thing. 15 years ago, it was between Mamma Mia and The Dark Knight Rises, which was also a Christopher Nolan movie. That just occurred to me. Um, and then before that, it was like, it was like Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus <laughs> and some other movie of like, like more serious uh, tone. I just thought that this was really funny. This happens sometimes. This happens every but 15 never, years. Never to this extent yeah, that's true uh, this was a huge deal and i don't know about you guys i feel like it really lived up to my expectations also whenever i relayed my weekend plans to anybody and i said that we are going to do barbenheimer everybody just knew what i meant that's that was crazy so true. that was crazy that it yeah. was like it was canon enough for everybody's lives that they were like i'm aware of this at the very least i feel like that's saying yeah, it is. Uh, regarding expectations, I'm sure we'll get into how we feel m- in much more detail later. It's what we do here. <laughs> uh, I would maybe go as far as to say it exceeded my expectations. Because I had high hopes for both of the movies, but like I thought that it would be a little bit far-fetched for me to really enjoy both of them. just seems really unlikely like when you consider all of the hype mm-hmm. around the weekend. Mm-hmm. And for me, baby delivered. <laughs> Let's let's talk about what these movies actually are. Barbie is, of course, a Greta Gerwig film. Why? Can you talk? I, you're the I love Greta Gerwig, but you're the the yeah. resident Greta Gerwig stan. Uh, She's can my you, girl. Can you talk about her movies and what you like about them and why you were so excited for Barbie? Greta Gerwig and me, we go way back. <laughs> um, 
the first thing I remember watching her in was Frances Ha, uh, directed by her husband, Noah Baumbach. Great movie. She's also in, uh, it's either 20th Century Woman or Mid-Century Woman. I'm forgetting which one it's called. An A24 movie uh, in which she's also phenomenal. She's directed Little Women. Um, so her her little, what's the word I'm looking for here? Can't think of it. Uh, her cinematography? Yeah, her cinematography is good stuff, up and down. Um, she is both a phenomenal direct, director and actress uh, alike. And writer. And writer. She and also writer. did Lady Bird, right? Yeah, she's this directed also three films. Yeah, that's yes. completely slipped my mind. Uh, Lady Bird, Little Women, 2019, and now this. And I would say she's yeah. batting 100. Those are, all, those are <laughs> all hundred is pretty. That's pretty bad. bad. She's batting 1,000. <laughs> um, if you were batting 100, you'd be a star in the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, as we speak, Wyatt is watching the uh, the Mariners and... Bottom of the ninth. Um, ninth. Twins? Bottom of the tenth. Oh, you got to do what you got to do. Bottom of the tenth? And the Girl. twins. Are about they to, went that high. The twins are about to win it, and I'm about to be upset. Um, I'm glad that we mentioned. I'm sorry, this is off topic of the MLB, but <laughs> uh, Lady Bird. I had not seen Lady Bird. I watched Lady Bird at work today. <gasps> you hadn't uh, seen Lady Bird what? until today. <laughs> yeah, you watched the film at work. <laughs> what is your job? Like, I know what your job is, but you can just watch a movie during it. Yeah, I mean, it's I. Granted. I am not able to, this is not the first time I've done this before, I'm not able to loan 100% of my attention to the movie, oh. which I, I like to do, um, but if I'm just sitting there, like, I will spend six hours just writing emails, I, I just throw a movie on the second screen and I, I consume it as I do my work. It It's obviously, like, I can't always have it playing, so I can't watch three movies in my eight-hour day. But, you know, I will, I'll watch 25 minutes of it uninterrupted, have to go do something, come back, write emails, and do some more. All that to say, um, it really gave me a deepened appreciation for Greta Gerwig. I mean, I already loved her and had really high expectations for her just based on what I had already seen of her. Mm -hmm. But having Lady Bird now under my belt as well, uh, I loved that movie. And I'm not ashamed to say that I cried at my desk today because uh -huh. it was so it was so touching. I did that at, with uh, Marriage Story at my <gasps> on-campus job, That's working really a computer funny. lab. Uh, I can't say about Lady Bird. My like uh, college mentor and my boss Brian. If he, I I don't know, he should listen to this podcast. I should tell him about it. But Brian, like he was like. You haven't seen Lady Bird to me. He was like, of all the people that I would recommend Lady Bird to, you go see it. He was like, I, I, but he would say that he would recommend like highly Lady Bird to anybody. Uh, he great movie. movie. It's a great movie. Very good movie. It's probably in my top ten of all time, and yet I forgot, I forgot to mention day. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I do think it's worth noting. I was very excited for Barbie, purely on the basis of it's Greta Gerwig and I like this cast mm -hmm. and I trust her to make a good movie. I did have some hesitations. I felt similarly going into Barbie that I did with the new Mario Brothers movie. Mm. Obviously very similar or very, very dissimilar energy. But the fact that it's like more IP, it's like, oh, now Nintendo's getting into movies because yeah. they have a lot of IP that they can make a lot of money on. Mattel and, also has Hot Wheels coming up soon. Yeah. What? And yeah, so Mattel is now getting into the, the movie space. I am very happy to say 
I won't say that my fears were completely eradicated with this movie. It still felt like a product at sure. certain points. But purely looking at it from a film, like movie lens, this movie is very, very good and very entertaining. And I, I real unless you're like misogynistic i can't think of one reason why you wouldn't like this movie that's um that's a lot of the reviews for it like there's a big meme going around of like i made a barbie like i made like a title card for all the worst reviewers and one is like they won't stop until we're all gay (laughs) Uh, i'm glad i could bring my misogynistic voice to the podcast so that we're very diverse around this table (laughs) Uh, and i could say how much i hated that movie yeah um, I saw the same post. In fact, I showed it to you. I know. <laughs> um, I, it was really funny. Believe it or not, Josh had the same fear. He was like, well, it's Mattel. Like, what? how much can they do with, like, a huge capitalist corporation? Like, a huge, huge corporation. How much artistic freedom can they have? Um, and I was surprised. I was like, that's a really valid point. Um, I don't think he's right about that, but, like, I'll hold out, like, I'll hold that out as a possibility, as a possible reality. And I was really impressed with the way that they were able to satirize a giant company. Like, they did it so tastefully. The company is represented in the movie. Yeah. Like, they don't hold back from that. They don't. um, They don't. They don't hold back from, like, making, like, a a satire of it as well, which is, like, um, not... They did it in a very tasteful way. I really appreciated that at the end. Yeah, I, I actually, you know what? I'm gonna hold this thought for later because I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, Barbie, really good movie. I think we all enjoyed it. Wyatt, and it was your favorite of the two. I believe I'm the only one who holds that opinion. But I, I haven't said my opinion yet. Wait, holds what opinion? I missed that. It. Barbie is better than was the better movie than Oppenheimer. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I just thought that it was uh, a movie that is. It kind of took me by surprise. I knew that it wasn't like strictly a, a children's movie. But a movie has never so succinctly, uh, I say, as a person who is not a woman, <laughs> uh, kind of created a lens into what I feel like life as a woman uh, in both America and abroad is like. And in everyone that I've heard that from in my life, they've said something along the same things. The relationship between mother and daughter being expressed in quite a beautiful way uh, also adds a lot of emotional weight to this movie that looks so bright and cheerful and colorful and is beautiful in that sense, but also has a level of an emotional depth that I was not expecting when I walked in. Yeah. I haven't felt like feministically inspired by a piece of media in a pretty long time, probably since little women, in fact, but not, um, this was like, just does that to you. She just be doing that. Um, she has a really, really powerful directorial voice. Um, and yeah, I haven't felt that, sense of feminist inspiration in a very long time and yeah i'll be excited to talk more about that when we get to spoilers and the design aspect like you were saying was just incredible she's just so good at expressing things that feel obvious yes in a way that somebody whether they have experience with it or not can understand it and it never feels heavy-handed Ever. And it's... that has been my experience with all three of her movies. And so, like, largely that's why I was so trusting of her to handle this property. And also, I, I think it's worth noting the importance of just because you hire a good director, mm. you still have to let them make the movie that their artistic vision would have them make. Yes. 
I mean, you saw that with... Lots of producers would say otherwise. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> yeah. Producers love to, because they're the ones financing the movie and they know what makes money, they love to think that they have should have some type of artistic say. Mm. But <laughs> time and time again, we see the best movies are created when artists are allowed to make art. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I really feel like that's on display. And also a good segue to one of the few directors working in Hollywood that is consistently just able to make the movie that he wants to make in Christopher Nolan. I actually ironically feel like Nolan and Greta Gerwig might be on similar paths career-wise. They both made these sort of like indie, low-budget movies that were very successful and showed that they can make a great movie. Um, And then they kind of dipped into IP. I mean, this is Greta Gerwig's first big IP movie. And hopefully it, because it was successful both monetarily and in terms of critical reception, hopefully it allows her to get bigger budgets and really, really like make the movies that she wants to make. Nolan did the same thing with Batman. Colleen, you didn't have any experience with Nolan before we started rewatching some of his movies before, right? Um, no, my father loved the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises. Like he, he's obsessed with those movies. So I, those came out when I was getting a little old. <laughs> those came out when I was getting a little older, and so getting to experience that with like a a, a consciousness <laughs> as opposed yeah. to like getting shown the movies that my dad would show me as a kid that was my early exposure to Christopher Nolan um and I was completely blown away and I was like why is my dad showing me this <laughs> but like yeah that was my early exposure but other than that no yeah um yeah and you liked it though I loved it I loved it I thought um it was my first introduction to dramaticism done well especially done with Batman. Like, uh, Say more about that. Well, I feel like a big aversion I have to some movies is when they are heavy-handed, if I'm going to use your phrase mm-hmm. again, with the introduction of heavy ideas. Or when it's too dramatic, I am incredibly, I am incredibly taken out of it. Because it's like, okay, you made the actors do this. Do you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. didn't just let, there's like, there's an element to directing that's like letting things happen. And I think Ari Aster is really good at this. Greta Gerwig is really good at this. It's kind of working with what you have rather than trying to force it into what you want it to be. So I think Nolan is pretty excited. He's really good at, from what I know, he's really good at analyzing chemistry and understanding how it can work in his favor. Acting chemistry. Acting chemistry. And um, this hasn't been consistent for like all of his movies, uh, re-insomnia but um but like but like in general I think he has a really good sense of like how to get his message across using the people that he has um and using the energies that he has and I think that I didn't have the words for that when I was in high school but that was definitely what took me aback was um from a technical aspect and from a chemistry act a- aspect in terms of the actors that's what really, really blew me away mm-hmm. is that he's just really good at dramaticism. Yeah. yeah I like when it. he flipped that truck upside down. <laughs> that was so cool. You love imitating Bane, Brett. <laughs> Wait, let me see if I can do one. You gotta oh. cover, cover your mouth. <laughs> I was born in the darkness. <laughs> oh, God. You merely... Adopted it. <laughs> I don't. I, was, I don't even remember. Right, what he you've said. done a few. You've done a few bits of voice acting on this podcast. And I can 
with 1000% confidence say that was the worst one yet. <laughs> you know what's funny is I I'm I'm upset that I allowed myself to even try because it's not the first time I've even tried a Bane impression, <laughs> which is extra embarrassing. I knew it was going to be I'm that so bad. sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. Right, you mentioned flipping the car and how cool that is. I feel it like was it's a truck, but it like, was Yeah. I mean, he's flipped cars, he's flipped trucks. It's worth noting it doesn't really get more bro movie than Christopher Nolan. And Wyatt, I'm curious, I don't know if we've talked a whole lot. I mean, when Brett and I did the Interstellar episode, you were not there. I don't really know what your relationship with Nolan is like. I am certainly aware that <laughs> his style of filmmaking is not what you're attracted to. But do you have much affinity for him? What were your thoughts about Oppenheimer going into this? This was my first full Christopher Nolan oh, movie really? I've ever watched. You've never even seen Dark Knight? I've started like eight of them and That's I've never wild. finished them. <laughs> Dark Knight is fine. I'm not a superhero movie person, yeah. but definitely not my type of movie. But Oppenheimer is of his filmography of what I know about it. The one that caters to me the most. Mm. Um, it's history. Yeah, it's history. It's the random shit that I had my dad and grandpa recite facts to me about for my whole childhood. <laughs> now they stick in my head. But I thoroughly enjoyed Oppenheimer. I thought it was a great movie, great character study. Produced the funniest Twitter discourse of any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> please talk about that a little bit. I please. There's just, just an insane amount of shit people are posting where they're like, crazy how everybody's so excited about this like propaganda film, which really has unlocked uh, apparently a, a new portion of this country that has no concept of what the word propaganda means. <laughs> um, because they just watched three hours of a man going through hell and back, and they're like, yeah, this makes uh, the American army look really good. <laughs> this is glorifying this is good. <laughs> Um There's also, like, I'm obviously not one to, like, totally speak. I'm We'll speak about it from, like, a historical lens, not so much as, like, a representation lens. There's a lot of talk about, like, there's no Japanese people <laughs> in this movie. They were not they weren't there. involved in the Manhattan Project because the United States was literally like rounding them up and putting them in camps because we did that and we don't acknowledge that it happened that much but it's like one of those one of those things where it's just like sometimes you can't like shoehorn stuff in there that yeah. would, that would, that not, would make not make any sense um there's no documented case of this man ever meeting a japanese person yeah like, and it's we don't not know. like and it's not that throwing anybody in there for the sake of representation is per se a bad thing there's just like places that would make that look much more organic it's also worth noting, I feel like, if there was actual representation within the decision-making that this movie is showing, this probably never would have happened. Yeah, and also there's, like, talk about whether or not the actual bombs falling on Japan should have been, like, made a scene. Oh, uh, and I feel like that's just actual, like, glorification of violence, or uh, in, in some capacity, I don't think that's the only way that you should include a group of people negatively impacted yeah, by yeah, this. And you have to consider that if you did that, then the inverse discourse would be occurring on Twitter. Yeah. So true. A godless wasteland. So, <laughs> oh, it's also, it's also X, X by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lastly, before we start to get into spoilers, Brett, I know, I know you're a big Nolan guy now. Uh, I don't think you've watched all of them, but I know you, he has several movies that are in your favorite. So what, what about Nolan draws you in? Um, that's a good question. I don't know how much I've really considered it, but cool stuff. <laughs> go boom. <laughs> that's stuff true. Go boom. <laughs> he does both of those things. He has cool stuff and there's a lot of going boom. I love that. It's funny. The dark Knight is one of those like 
I remember from way back me just watching it as a kid, uh, like kind of like Colleen said, no conscious head head empty. Um, I said the opposite. (laughs) No, you said as a kid you saw it. And so you saw it again as an adult with consciousness? No, I'm saying I saw it at a point where I had a consciousness. Like, I saw it when I was, like, 16 or 17. I hate when mom and dad fight. Sorry, baby, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I had a little baby brain. There was nothing really going on up there when I saw The Dark Knight. And I was just like, this shit cool. (laughs) Um, And then I got to grow up and and watch, like, uh, The Prestige. And just be uh, enveloped by intricate storytelling, which I think is not appreciated enough in Christopher Nolan's cinematography. Everybody wants to complain about spectacle, which is fucking cool to look at. So like, be happy about something is my opinion. Uh, yeah. Every, every movie that he has at the very least piques my interest mm-hmm. and makes me want to know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I, I, I truly cannot say about a lot of filmmaker mm-hmm. makers. Um, so everything that he does, I want to have a piece of. And greedy little bastard, greedy little bastard. And he's truly an innovator. Uh, he, you can complain about what he's done and pick apart the way that he directs, uh, but at the end of the day, like he he sets the pole. Whenever he is done, completely unique concepts. Suddenly, other people want to do similar no longer unique concepts mm-hmm. uh so i'm a i'm a i'm a nolan fan yeah we we watched inception the night before we saw barbie and oppenheimer brett was tired so he went to bed which just left colleen to hear me rant about christopher nolan for like half an hour i feel like we talked together about it <laughs> but you can frame it as ranting uh, no I, we did i cannot <laughs> express enough the getting to bed that bryce is saying i didn't say good night to anybody <laughs> we, the, oh the, the credits rolled I already had my teeth brushed, and I immediately slept under the covers. It was yeah. ridiculous. I was, I was gone. Um, but we didn't rewatch every Nolan movie. I grew up with Nolan. Nolan's my dad's favorite director. So I've seen a lot of his movies and saw a lot of them as a kid. And I had kind of left them in the past. I mean, I watched all of them when I was in middle school just over and over again. Inception was my favorite movie for a very long time. And then I got into movies in high school, and I started to hear discussion around Nolan's pretty one note. He's not good with characters. And I was able in my memory to agree with that. And so I I think my perception of him was kind of tainted. Not that I didn't like him, but I think I was just a little bit more dubious of him. Rewatching these movies, but especially Inception, just gave me a huge appreciation for everything that he does. He does often have character problems and heart problems and writing problems, but... (laughs) That is not, like, if you're thinking about what cinema is and, like, what going to the movies means, oftentimes it's just you're looking for a show. You're looking for entertainment. And with a lot of films, like the types of movies that get Oscar recognition, they're dramatic and they're exceptional, they're artistic, but they are lacking lacking spectacle. And Nolan, every time he makes a movie, sort of says, listen, I'm going to include this. This is not the point of the movie. The point of this movie is spectacle. The point of this movie is putting on a show. And he creates these stories in ways that I've never seen before. He loves to mess with time. He loves to mess with the way that a story is told. And it feels like every time he's done something new and he's reached a a 
point where he can't go any further, he does something new. And the way that this story is not told Oppenheimer is not like crazy innovative, but it feels like a really good end point or not even to say end point, but like milestone. Yeah. It's a good milestone in terms of he is, he's using all of the tricks that he's learned Mm -hmm. just to create a cohesive story without getting into spoiler spoilers. This movie is three hours long Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say like you can't feel how long the movie is because I think at some point you do, but this movie is not boring at any point. And it's very, very breakneck. And it it largely comes down to the editing. Like this story is not told chronologically, but it's not told in a way that is confusing. Mm -hmm. It is purely told in a way that like we know what happened. Mm -hmm. We know Oppenheimer created the bombs that were then dropped on Japan and if you know history, you know about all of the political problems that stemmed from that and affected Oppenheimer specifically. We know all that as educated consumers. So going into it, I was kind of just curious what the story was going to be mm-hmm. because there's no mystery to it. But he's able to create that mystery in how he tells this story. And we'll talk more about that when we get into spoilers. Last quick thing. Wait, I just Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Do you mind if I if I contradict something Please. real quick? Because I didn't. I think it's important. I don't want to get too far away from it. Uh, your point about the runtime and uh, how straightforward things are and and are presented as being relatively clear. I I agree with, but and this is something that we talk about on the podcast often. It's like how a general consumer is going to view the movie, mm. and I think that a lot of people. Um, are not going to feel that way. I know that the movie's being received well in spite of, you know, how talky the movie is. It mm. is, like, a crazy amount of dialogue. Definitely the wordiest Nolan movie. Very, very fast-paced. Lots of people being introduced. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to forget who's who, et cetera, et cetera. I'm grateful that people are still liking the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. I'm really happy that, like, those... Um, those critical reviews are able to see past uh, those parts of the movies, w- mm-hmm. which is not a flaw to me. Christopher Nolan is a genius and it's sometimes hard to, um, it's sometimes it's hard to convey genius to other people in general. I think that we will have a lot of people who do say this was too much talking. This mm-hmm. was too much dialogue based. Maybe there wasn't enough spectacle. Maybe there wasn't enough story. That runtime was really, really hard because it is three hours. audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Huge. 94% Um, of pleb audiences like this movie. I know. I know. You know, I had a director when I was in uh, The Magic Flute once. I was was like, well, statistically, our eyes are going to be drawn towards people in the the ensemble, which I was in the ensemble for some nights and Papagena for other nights. And he said, well, hopefully, their eye will be drawn to what I want their eye to be drawn to. Um, And I was like, Okay, you can argue with statistics, that's fine. But recently I've been thinking about the concept of like when something is for you or it isn't and how like I've always interpreted that as like somebody saying they directly don't like something. But if I take it very literally and say it very literally, it can mean like, oh no, this, oh, this was not intended for me because Mm -hmm. the things that I don't like about it mean that I like, it's not about levels, but it's like, I can't appreciate what work went into this. I'm not, I don't have the cultural context or whatever context to appreciate 
all that went into this? Because I hear you say that. And I'm like, I kept up with the dialogue. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's because I was the target audience for this movie. It, like- is, it is definitely <laughs> worth noting. While I, I do disagree that the general person will not. I, I think the general person will like that. And yes. the numbers are saying that. Mm-hmm. There's certainly some some element of like. If you don't think you're going to like Oppenheimer, you're probably not going to like Oppenheimer. And same goes for Barbie. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, they're both excellent movies, and I expected to like both of them, and I was not let down. And I would imagine, for the most part, anyone else that is going into one or both of these movies will have a similar experience. Like, mm-hmm. if you like Nolan, you're going to like this movie. If you like Greta Gerwig, if you like Camp, mm-hmm. if you like fun <laughs> comedy movies, you're going to like Barbie. It's like, yeah. it, it's not super nuanced in that way two really quick points and i'm sorry to keep harping on this i'm not trying to stay on it to be like a debate lord about it <laughs> uh because i don't want that um that's right you are the master debater you are the- <laughs> i don't want to sound like i think that i'm better or smarter than me neither I, I know know that i'm not. Yes. but i do know that we all watch a lot of movies and that simply Again. helps target audience secondly mm-hmm. i i know that like I was saying before, I know that audience are uh, are receiving the movie very well, very happy about that, and I'm glad that they are. If if there's anything that I mean to say about like how the movie presents itself mm-hmm. in like a practical sense, how mm-hmm. uh, about its reception? Mm-hmm. It's not about like generally speaking, do I like movie or do I not like movie? To me, it's like, is this movie going to be at the very top of people's lists? or not yeah is that going to prevent it from being at the very top of lists or not like i i really see this as being one that i could see very high up on my lists sometime down the road but are people going to be thinking about it as much down the road for these reasons let's talk about spoilers i'm gonna hop out at this point okay that's fine uh thank you for joining us wyatt wyatt has to go farewell me brett and colleen will continue this conversation in the spoiler discussion if Thank you have time, Mr. White, we love Bye, you. Dr. If you have not seen these movies, they're in theaters right now. Go ahead, check it out, and then you can join our discussion without getting spoiled. If you don't care about spoilers, keep listening. We're going to spoil the heck out of these movies. We, we talked a lot about Oppenheimer, and I know we watched Oppenheimer first, Barbie second, but do we want to continue to bounce back and forth about what we're talking about and talk about Barbie first now? I think or should we? Do movie order. I it's, would say movie order okay. for the uh, for the sense of cohesiveness. Sure. Yeah. While we're discussing, uh, I'll put timestamps in the description of this episode. Uh, if you only saw Barbie or if you only saw Oppenheimer, you guys can on you it. can listen to He's just the it. conversation around what we're talking about. Uh, yeah. So Oppenheimer, we were very excited for this movie, and I freaking loved it. I don't think it was perfect. I certainly had issues with it, uh, but I feel similarly about most movies. So it's like, yeah, this this is certainly up there in contention for my favorite of the year. Are we going to hear your criticisms now or later? Uh, I mean, what do you mean by now? Well, just like I'm so curious to hear what you hear what you thought, hear what hear what your um. I know we're not doing sections, but hear what essentially your nitpicks categories are. Categories, you like, mean? Yeah. This is equivalent to when we're watching a movie and you ask us what's about to happen. <laughs> 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 like, we're not going to hear it at any point. I do it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I can, I can, I, I hate to, st- I guess, I guess it's fine to, with a movie that I like a lot, 
get the bad out of the way, and then we can talk about what I love about this it's movie. It's up to you. I'm sorry. No, this is was... fine. It's it's the natural flow of conversation. I do need to blow my nose, though, so I'm going to do that real quick. Do it into the microphone. <laughs> ASMR pod. That's... Oh, I'm getting my tissue now. <laughs> Just excuse me while I blow my nose. So, Oppenheimer. Really good movie. It has sections, like acts, like mm-hmm. most movies. I felt like throughout the course of this movie, it was building at breakneck pace towards the creation of the bomb. And all of the tension was reliant upon this bomb being created. And I was extremely invested in that. And we're getting bits and pieces like Nolan doesn't tell a linear story here or usually ever. <laughs> um, we are getting bits and pieces of sort of the political aftermath and the trial that. Oppenheimer goes through after a few years after the bombs are dropped. It's scattered throughout until we first see the bomb test. And then frankly, after that, after the bomb is dropped, the movie, like the last 45 minutes of the movie are pretty much just like courtroom drama. And I think it's really effectively told, but I don't think it has the same like vivacity that the first two hours of the movie has I was less invested I wouldn't like turn it off at this point but if I'm thinking in terms of like my favorite movie Mm -hmm. every single scene I'm like yes it's this scene now I can't Mm -hmm. wait to watch this scene and then the next scene starts and I have the same exact feelings I can't really see a world where I find myself like turning back to the last hour of this movie to watch it again Mm -hmm. it's really effective especially Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in this last uh, hour really really impressive and <laughs> i'm certainly not mad about it but in terms of like my overall enjoyment of the movie mm-hmm. it's so tough to watch both sensorily and like morally mm-hmm. that without sort of like the breakneck pace that the first two hours of the movie had it mm. felt to me and like this is just my own taste but it felt to me the last hour dragged just a little bit and like that, it's almost not even a criticism. I don't know if other people feel the same way. I don't know if you felt the same way, but that's how I felt. Um, I think it's, I think that's a really valid take. And I think, I think if I had been paying attention to that or known to pay attention to it, I think I would feel the same way. I think um, how I felt about the pacing was that like what I get out of movies is the relationships with people. Mm-hmm. So I found the last act to be very, very compelling, if not a huge tonal shift from the first two acts of the movie. So that's that's where I can definitely see how you feel that way. And it's like, certainly like talking in terms of the themes. It's mm-hmm. the culmination of all of the themes that the first two hours are setting up. I think um, I think I would I I can't remember if I actually whispered this to Brett or whether or not that was just in my head, but it felt like a very Nolan choice and. I don't know if that's like a, a an out of out of bounds thing to say, but he's really, really good at like setting up a climax and then the exposition is often like he tries to make it equally as compelling. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that was a good example of this here. And I can t- I can definitely see how like the exposition was definitely drug out. Yeah. Um, and I think if he tre- created more intrigue around the trial, at the start, we could have avoided that. 
Um, it would feel more balanced. It as would, well. yeah, a little bit because I think the tr- uh, like I think I I feel the same way in terms of like the whole time. Again, I was like I was like dying to know like what happened with Kitty, like what happened with all these characters, what happened with him in the end, like who's going to testify, who's going to not, like. I was like, what happened with Albert Einstein? Like, I was dying to know. But like... What did Iron Man say? <laughs> what did he say? Um, yeah. So, but I, I definitely see that. I think if we had... I didn't have an idea for like what exactly the trial was saying, especially since this is like a very naive take. But they were like, no, we're not going to send him in front of McCarthy. And I was like, oh, so this isn't a McCarthy trial. But it definitely was. <laughs> definitely was you know so so that's where I was like uh I think I think some more intrigue around the trial would have would have kind of balanced that out Colleen leaned over and said all of that to me during the movie <laughs> and I was like you can't talk in here <laughs> this is like the one place you can't like this in a library and, and then gotta- Colleen called their mom and was like saying all of this on FaceTime it was crazy C- Colleen played Candy Crush with the volume <laughs> Blast. If I called my mom, she'd be like, okay, you're seeing a movie? Okay. <laughs> she would just be like, why are you telling me? Um, yeah. I really strongly agree, Bryce, with how the third act was done. At some point, to what you were saying, Colleen, about uh-huh. like, why are we here? There was a point, probably like halfway through the third act, mm-hmm. where I was like, I, I, I kind of realized it myself. I said to myself, oh, we're at this point talking about like his legacy and mm. whether he's going to get these security clearances. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't really care. <laughs> like, I don't really care that much. You, in contrast. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. In contrast, immediately after the bomb was dropped yeah. and we're now like more sitting with uh, tangibly the effects on him and the people around him yes. in regarding the bombs being dropped. Yeah. That was probably, in my opinion, the best part of the movie. I would say. Mm. You if mean they like would have when the, the bomb was first tested and then the like following. They had like a little party and uh, that's what you're talking about? Like him uh, Around that time yeah. through like w- after the announcement that it's been dropped on uh, Hiroshima, I think was the first one. Yeah. Around then mm. is it whenever we're you know it's very it's very real we can we can feel the effects on him and the people around him his like co- conflict about this juxtaposed against the general like american reception of what happened mm-hmm. i thought was some of the best filmmaking and storytelling mm-hmm. the best like emotional drawing from me and from the audience that was in the entire movie i wish that they would have leaned into that much more mhm Instead of taking us to a point where we really cared so much about the um, Robert Downey timeline and about his clearances, etc. You cannot raise the stakes higher than a bomb being created, a bomb like that, like the first of its kind being created against like the stakes, which I don't think they described clearly enough. I don't think they rose the stakes for like what would happen if he lost his clearances nearly as high as they should have. But even if they had... No stakes like that are ever going to feel like the stakes of dropping a bomb on an entire city. The movie is asking you, or I guess Nolan is asking you, in order to feel the weight of 
this last hour, you need to be able to equate him losing his security clearances with him losing favor in the court of public opinion. Cause I, I feel like that is in general what that represents. Yeah. I just don't. I was far more interested in, like Brett said, we're not going to do categories here, but I felt very similarly. The time, this isn't a scene, but the scenes between when the bomb is first being tested to the the scene in the gym, the auditorium, where he's talking to the, the crowd about the success that they just had. Mm-hmm. That is by far my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. And it's largely because it is the the peak of the spectacle, but also the peak of Killian Murphy's like internal internal turmoil. Mm-hmm. I think you can feel it the most there. And that is largely like what I was looking for out of this movie. Me it's too. like we know what happened in this event. Mm-hmm. We know it's wrong. We know a lot of innocent people were killed. There's no moral ambiguity there. Yeah. I think Nolan made the right choice in focusing the movie on how this affects the person who was behind it all. You're right. Um, And so when I felt like this movie was at its peak was when it was really reliant on that. Mm -hmm. And if Barbie was not super on the nose or preachy, Mm -hmm. this was really, really not on the nose or preachy at all. Mm -hmm. Like, no character at any point is like, Here's what we did. Here's why it's bad. We we know as an intelligent audience, this is bad. We don't need Nolan to explain why it's bad or why that would hurt. Yeah. He just shows the effect that it has. And we haven't talked at all about any of the acting in either of these movies. Oh, my God. Uh, Killian Murphy is genuinely brilliant. This so is good. a career best performance from him. Uh, this genuinely task- good. Go no, this cast was fucking stacked. Yes. Both movies were, but this cast was stacked on stacked on stacked. I think Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. are both shoe-ins for mm-hmm. Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor consecutively. Sure. Is that the right word? I don't sure. know. Uh, <laughs> and I would be very happy to see both of those uh, nominations. Mm-hmm. Also, potentially... Um, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. She was best so actress. She was good. Very good. So um, good. But yeah, Colleen mentioned how stacked this cast is. It's worth noting the bulk of the dialogue is held between like four or five characters. I know. There are so many characters or so many, yeah, so many characters in this movie who are played by notable actors or actresses that get a scene. Like Rami Malik is in this movie. Rami Malik won Best uh, Actor for like, Robots three years ago. What did he play uh, for? Bohemian Rhapsody. Wow! Uh, literally won Best Actor a few years ago. He gets one scene where he can talk in this movie. He knocks it out of the park, but it, it feels kind of how I, I felt about Asteroid City, where it's mm. like Nolan has reached a pedigree where people just want to work with him. Yes. Like Oppenheimer assembles this team of fellow brilliant scientists. Every single one of them. I'm like, oh, look, it's this person. <laughs> there were a lot of our childhood actors. Yeah. Like um, Josh Peck. Uh, there was the guy who played Roderick in um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Nat Wolf. Nat Wolf. Brothers Band. For some reason. Um, oh, Alex Wolf. Is it Alex, not Nat? Oh, Brett's Nat. Um, yeah, it was his brother. Brett um, is Nat Wolf. <laughs> I saw an interview with Florence Pugh this morning where she was describing like the process. I it's pronounced Florence Pugh. <laughs> 
Yeah, if you just want to do one of those for us. If <laughs> there you go. Um, I sound like um Donald Duck. Um, <laughs> I was not ready. I knew that you could do it, and I had forgotten. <laughs> I wasn't ready for how crisp that was gonna be. Elite. Anyway, so I saw an interview. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I saw an interview with her this morning where she was describing like the process of getting involved with this movie, and she was like. I was sitting at brunch with Christopher Nolan and she's like, it was at that point in my career where I'm like, I just finished shooting and I'm sitting at brunch with Christopher Nolan. This is crazy. But she was like, he was like, it's a really small part. I totally understand if you don't want to take it. You got to show your boobies. You got to show your boobies. And she was like, I'm going to take it. And he was like, no, no, no. I'll send you the script. She didn't even look at it. (laughs) She was, she literally said, she's like, I know I'm going to take this part. I don't need to read this. It was pretty good. I mean, what would you do? Because I know I'm right there. I'm there. I'm showing my titties. It's there. It's on site. <laughs> well, I, hey, I did not approve of uh, all <laughs> You're right. this. Barbie? This is a boundary, this- Colleen. <laughs> yes, I have a boundary over what you're allowed to do. So, all you right. know. Uh, who, who, who used the therapy talk recently? Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. That's yeah. what I thought. Okay. I, I bought his master class, and now I really know how to You talk learned it. nothing from Barbie. You learned nothing from Barbie, and we'll get into that. But he learned everything from Ken. <laughs> I, hey, listen, I'm Ken Knopf. Big fan of the writing in this movie. It felt very mature, and obviously it's not like Noah Baumbach levels of writing or something like that. However, for Nolan standards, this is really good. Like this, this Again, this is the talkiest Nolan movie, and I'm actually invested in what the characters are saying. And in classic Nolan fashion, they're talking about things that I am not intelligent enough to be able to understand fully, but it doesn't matter because mm-hmm. Nolan is writing it in a way that is interesting and is showing me things that are interesting, and mm-hmm. so I'm still really invested. And that pairs with the the breakneck editing that I mentioned earlier. Like, it's just, there's such a pace to this movie. Like, every line of dialogue is just boom, 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 boom. And so you're you're locked in. And for further... Go ahead. Every time Brett goes, we should keep talking. <laughs> um, for further clarity, the movie starts with a quote that's, a, that's about Prometheus, because this movie is based on uh, a book, a biography on J. Robert Oppenheimer called uh, The American Prometheus. It, and it has a subtitle. I don't remember what it is. But um, The American Prometheus. So the movie opens with this, like, Prometheus was chained to a rock for bringing fire to the humans, bringing fire to humanity. Wasn't he turned to a rock? No, he no. was chained to a rock. So he was chained to a rock. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Prometheus was chained to a rock. So I didn't under, like, I couldn't, I was like, ooh, ooh, I'm intrigued, you know, whatever. And I was reading the myth of Prometheus before we started the, the podcast. Incredibly accurate. It's incredibly accurate. Prometheus was chained to a rock for bringing fire to humanity. And... I didn't realize, like, I think what I wanted to say earlier is, like, okay, let's delve into the implications of the complexity of this, like, it's not a complex decision, we all know it's wrong, but, like, what went into him deciding that this is something that he needed to do? It's not a matter of, hey, we're going to do this, do you want to do it or not? It's like, he was never asked, hey, do you want to drop this bomb or not? Because no. he always would have said no. It's and it's framed in like a patriotism. It's it's pure. Well, it starts off as purely theoretical. Yeah, that's true. Just trying that's to figure true. out if this is possible, and yes. then it 
it just you get deeper and deeper and the sunk cost becomes greater and greater mm-hmm. where eventually he and his team just reach a point where it's like this is out of our hands like the, one of the military guys at one point is even like you're done now like this is our this yeah. is ours now we yeah. know how to make it we know how to control it this is our thing now you're done yeah um and it's and- a metaphor for marijuana <laughs> you start with a Flintstones gummy <laughs> and you work up to melatonin. Before that, you're railing lines of cocaine. So you should drink cherry juice before you go to bed because it increases your body's natural ability to make melatonin. Um, that's a t- little tip for the audience. Thank um, you. But Thank you. so, like, I think the, that sense of what do you really gain? What's the glory at stake here? Because I think there was, like, an aspect. He said it. I don't know if this was a, a real thing that the real J. Robert Oppenheimer actually felt, but the whole time he was like, okay, this is now, like, the fact that we're creating this means that we have a say in the policy, means that, like, we're making this, it's never being used again. We're not setting the standard that, like, this is what we're going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and he fought for that afterwards. So it's like, it's like who knows... Who knows if that, like, we don't, we weren't actually there, but, like, in this depiction, it was very, very clear that, like, okay, we're doing this, we're taking this theoretical, and we're turning it into reality, and that is the scientific feat that they wanted to do, and it's interesting to me the price of, the price of patriotism, you know what I mean? Like, this whole thing of, like, okay, we're doing this for our country, we're, we're, like, defending our troops, blah, 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 we're gonna bring our troops home and Brett I think you said yesterday like there's a line between I think this was me the, uh, this was McDonald's you. <laughs> sorry there is a line between you can say it again I feel like it's your line uh, I mean I, I think the point that Colleen is mentioning I, I said like patriotism has its merits but the way that within this context at least it completely blinds people to so many things it's like when this act when of of dropping a bomb on another country is frameworked in the light of patriotism it's for the good of our country it's for the good of us we can completely dehumanize the people that are affected by this they they no longer become people they become another they become another nation that is fighting against us and so it's like again this movie never feels heavy-handed with that message it just made me think about it like the shot where they're celebrating and oppenheimer is is held up above the crowd and the american flag is waving in the background it's like we can feel the weight of the the potential destruction was just unleashed on the entire world in that moment, but they're celebrating it and it's got the American flag and it's like, holy shit. Granted, this would have happened either way, but this is an American problem. Like this is a mistake that America made. And I don't know, it's, it's extra frustrating when like saying, saying one thing is worse than the other doesn't negate the, the power that one event has, but like we as Americans are, so fixated on 9-11 and yes. how that was horrendous act of terror against us. But nobody talks about how like there were a few thousand people killed in 9-11. We as American citizens killed hundred thousand 
Japanese citizens and don't bat an eye. Yes, 250,000 in the fallout. And we don't even know. We were talking about this last night. We don't even know how many due to cancer due to the radiation exposure. So it's like it's a real slippery. It's not a slippery slope. That's the wrong phrase. It's very cut and dry. But it it's it's you said something about Americans. And what did you say? Sorry. I don't know. I don't I don't think before I talk. Yeah, it's it's I lost my train of thought. But yeah, I it's it's like the price we pay for this. Oh, I was going to talk about like I've been exploring in like the grand scheme of things, this sense of the stories that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. and how that contributes to the way that we move through life. And the story that they were all telling themselves is that we need to do it first before, you know, that the Germans have a four year for your head start on us. We need to do it first before anybody else does it to us, which is an incredibly American ideal. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly American. Shoot him before he shoots me. Yeah, so that that was all really really wonderfully represented. Yeah. In in This this movie genuinely ironically I cried more uh, on Barbenheimer day than I ever expected to. Me too. Uh, <laughs> I cried in both movies, but yeah, there were there were several sequences and they weren't even like standard were showing you something sad. Yeah. type scenes that I was crying at. It was it was more just like we are seeing the massive weight and implication that the events that Nolan are, is showing us were seeing how magnificent and not necessarily magnificent in a positive way, but how how grand and important some of these things are. And having the context of knowing where this turns is just like genuinely very hard to watch. Because like I can empathize with how all of these people are feeling and why they're celebrating. And like there are several sequences in this movie where they're mixing just utter joy with utter terror where certain characters are celebrating the frankly incredible achievement that was pulled off at Los Alamos and other characters that understand the weight of what the achievement actually means are just destroyed by by what they have accomplished and it's like I can't imagine the conflicting feelings that these people would have had because they worked so hard on this for so many years and they have to be proud of what they achieved. They have to be. There's like no other, what's the yeah. alternative? But like, you can't be at the yeah. same time. It's like, I cannot imagine that moral dilemma. And it's not really a moral dilemma that we've seen in film a whole lot. And so no. like, it really That's, gives me an appreciation mm-hmm. for what this movie does. Not only is it not heavy handed or, or preachy, but it's like, I don't know if I've seen this moral dilemma explained, and I don't know if I would have picked Nolan to be the one to I That's what I was going to say. But he does an excellent job. He did such a... I was like, this is such a feat of Nolan's. I I was sitting in the movie theater, and I was like, okay, this is now my favorite Nolan movie, but how exceptional he was able to do this. How exceptional... Not able, you know, like, we don't know we're, we're all capable, but, like, it's like... Jesus, he really el- <laughs> mighty hot around these parts. Uh, <laughs> gotta tell the audio listeners what we're seeing here. <laughs> Bryce took off his hat to fan himself. It's very warm in here. We and- have to turn off the AC to record. <laughs> and Bryce took Brett. You're Brett. 
took off his hat to fan him further. And I appreciated it. You did this earlier. I'm starting to think you do not know my name. I made a joke before we started about not knowing your eye color. I know what your eyes are called. Let's uh let's let's close this did let's close this discussion. <laughs> anyway, yes, sorry. I uh, feel like let's let's give our final thoughts for for Oppenheimer. Yeah, this is killing me. I'm so sad. Right I'm now. sorry, baby. <laughs> it's well, it's okay. I was really sad the whole day because it's it's a huge bummer. What? What are you talking about? Oppenheimer. Oh. Oh. The movie. Yeah. I thought you were saying it's a bummer that you didn't get to talk. I thought he was still on the I thing or the name thing. Oh, no. No, <laughs> no I'll cry about that later. It's okay. Did you have thoughts, baby? <laughs> Did we let you talk? Do you have thoughts, Brett? <laughs> Does your little I, brain work? I don't like what's happening right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, want to talk I wasn't about Barbie. saying that talk. You okay. wasn't saying that I'm just, I'm just making jokes. It's all right. Okay. We move on. Me fanning Bryce with his, my hat was a funny bit. I was just happy to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your final thoughts? You can be as verbose as you want, big guy. <laughs> I can say anything. You can say, well, have some tact. <laughs> Brett's going to say the C word. <laughs> he blew up a, a real nuke. That's not true. He blew up a real nuke for the movie. He didn't do that. I was told he did that. <laughs> no, he blew up a real big bomb, but it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't an atom bomb. I spread misinformation. This couldn't be worse. Um, Talk about your thoughts on the movie, Brett. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I I don't know. I I actually do feel like there's not much to be said that you guys didn't say already. The movie's very exceptional. It does have its flaws. I was very moved by depictions, uh, by these particular predictions of, sorry, predictions? Depictions. Uh, depictions. Yeah. Thank you. Predictions. I was particularly moved by these depictions of war and its effects. I think that's a very difficult thing to do in filmmaking for the longest time I was on team saving private Ryan doesn't glorify war. And then I watched it for, I think the third time. And I was like, Oh damn, I, it does. <laughs> and so that was the only movie that I ever referenced as being like war movie doesn't glorify war. And I could probably think of another one if I really thought about it, but I don't know that I can think of one. All quiet. All quiet on the Western front for sure. Uh, yeah, that okay. So that's a good pick. This one, that one, and um, Oppenheimer, I think, are two that do it exceptionally well. Hurt Locker, and I've never seen Hurt Locker, but I'll take your word Lock for it. Lock down. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's all. <laughs> that's all that I have now. Um, I think this is like going. I feel like I say this all the time, and my friends are gonna make fun of me because I feel this way about a lot of aspects in my life. Is just experiencing it for the first time. I'm like, oh my god, that was my favorite. Um. <laughs> But I don't know. I like exposure. Um, this this is definitely my favorite Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. And The Prestige is number two. Um, I freaking love that movie. And I will say, like, to your point earlier, like, I just feel like he's, like, aging like fine wine. <laughs> like, I feel like... Have you seen Nolan? You know what he looks like? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's pretty daddy. Um, Gotta put that out there. His art is aging like fine wine, where it's like, I rem- like, we watched his 2000 movies and his 2002 movies and... He had that problem with the character. You you said that, and I was like, oh, I talked all this. I said chemistry, but not characters. I think his progression in, like, dialogue being directed has been incredible. I loved Inception, but I told Josh this today, my boss. I was like, I was like, there was some questionable. There was some questionable dialogue in that movie where it's like, why do you know this much about that? Who's nobody talks like that, you know? But the whole time. This was fast paced, but it was like very directed. All of it was not him direct. 
it was very forward moving and everybody had something to say that like meant something towards the plot. It was like very impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was deeply, what I told Jen, my other boss, the mom of the kids I nanny was like, this was impactful and heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I feel very similarly to both of you. Um, I really appreciate how this movie makes me feel the same way that its main character feels the way that it like, especially seeing it in Dolby, we haven't mentioned like early on and throughout the movie, he's getting these like flashes that are showing like he can see physics in a way that other people cannot Mm -hmm. and it's tormenting him and the movie torments us with it as well. Like it, it, I, I mentioned earlier, I think I called it like sensorially a lot or overloading. Mm-hmm. It's like really tough to watch morality aside sometimes. Like it's loud, it's abrasive. And it really makes me feel the same way that its main character does. And I appreciate that a lot. I have not seen that before. This is a really, really mature movie. I don't know. I think loosely, I've now seen every Nolan movie. I think I loosely have it in high top five, top four area. I really like this movie. I don't know if I'm going to be returning to it anytime soon. Uh, I'm going to go see it again. <laughs> it's really hard to watch. I, I might see it in theaters, but like, I don't know. Uh, it's it's tough. I really loved it, though. Um, contrast that with our next movie. Barbie! Barbie. This movie was so much goddamn fun. God, I loved it. Um, Speaking about impactful, it was impactful and uplifting. A perfect double feature for this film. Please tell me your thoughts on Barbie. I've been dying to know. Oh. Brett. Well, Barbie is a movie about Margot Robbie, and she's so perfect and lovely as Barbie. Um, It's produced by Mattel, and it is kind of telling the story of Barbie, the product, through storytelling of, you know, these, like, anthropomorphized Barbies who, you know, are going and having their own experiences in Barbie land compared against what eventually we see is reality. Mm -hmm. Um, Barbie land and reality could not be farther apart. We see a a world run by all the women of the world in Barbie land compared to a patriarchal society in the real world. Um, if you don't like the word patriarchy, maybe don't see this movie. It's said like 80,000 times. Not that I have a problem with that because like it's accurate, um, but they say it a Also, lot. if you don't like the word patriarchy, you're probably contributing to the patriarchy. Um, well, True. F- further than that, too, the narration opens with the Barbies live in Barbie land thinking that they fixed all the world's problems, thinking that they fixed all problems for women. They're like, oh, you know. Barbie, there's a president. You know, the president of Barbie land is a woman, is a Barbie. Barbie's um, a doctor. Barbie's a doctor. Barbie can be Barbie's anything. A teacher. And and they yeah. are. On Barbie land, there is, there is like, she's everything and he's just Ken. Yeah, you going, sorry. Oh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't know if you have to summarize the plot anymore, but. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. We can get into other things. Like, um, I'll talk about more about like final thoughts later on. Well, you don't have to give final final thoughts. Like, pick something that you liked about it. Oh man, it's so fucking hot in this room. I, it's I'm actually really hot. I'm actually a little bit brain broken right now. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, thank you. Somebody, please fan me. <laughs> if we want to start how we did with Oppenheimer, 
I have a pretty large criticism for this movie as well, even though I did really like it. This movie, again, is really mature. I had some hesitation going into it when I saw that it was rated PG. Um, I was really expecting when I saw Greta Gerwig was making a Barbie movie and when I saw which actors were attached to it, I thought that it was going to be more adult than it was, which is not to say that this movie is not adult. My issues actually, my issues around this are not coming from where I thought they would. I actually felt like, I was afraid it would affect like the humor. (laughs) I mean, we're like, we're so used to kids movies having like adult jokes and it's like, kids aren't going to get this. And this, that is all throughout this movie. But like, I actually felt like it was really funny. Good. I described that exact concept to Colleen in my own opinion as where a lot of movies have a lot of kids movies they're made in a way to have two movies at the same time one that is mainly geared towards children and adults have little tiny jokes spread all throughout for them that you look back as an adult and you're like oh i can't believe i missed this joke as Mm -hmm. a kid i feel that barbie is kind of the inverse of that where it is a movie that is truly and thoroughly made for adults that has a lot of bright and beautiful themes and funny little gags that like a child is going to point at and love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like those are the aspects of this movie where it, it kind of loses the line for me a bit. Mm-hmm. The movie starts off in Barbie land and it's this like very metaphorical created space. Huge shout out to the production de- design God. for this movie. They did such a good job with Caused Barbie a land. pink shortage. Really? What? Oh, you don't know about this? No. no. Oh, yeah. There was like a worldwide shortage of whatever. I'm going to mess up like the actual fact here, but whatever chemical compound or, or however the technical way to call pink, essentially, like we could not produce pink things. That's crazy. Because wow. there was too much pink being implemented in the, the set design. That's actually insane given the context of the movie. Do you remember how linked? Like what was happening in Barbie land was selling oh, off of yeah. Mattel. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. To, to what I was saying though, the shout out to the production design. They did such a good job of creating this world that looks like a toy set and it feels like an artificial world. It doesn't feel real, but they were so creative with it. And there's so much care put into the production design of Barbie land where it's like, I compare it to like Ant-Man a movie that I didn't even hate, but Ant-Man is also like this purely created world. Like it's not real. They're on a uh, green screen. I compare it to that. And it's like, this feels like it has so much care behind it. And it, despite not feeling real at all, it really feels like these characters belong in this space. And I like, there's something to look at everywhere. I love the production design. But the point that I was making and my my one main flaw with this movie, there are several points throughout this movie where I really, really feel like it's leaning a bit too hard in to what kids might like. When it when it gets to like the human world, I was just so much less interested in where the story was going. Especially like the car chase scene. 
like where the corporate people are chasing the mom and the daughter and Barbie in the car. I'm like, I don't need this. This is not why I go to a Greta Gerwig movie. Everything that we've seen before and after this is so good. Why do I need this mediocre car chase in this mm. movie? Stuff like that. And it's like the, again, in the human world, I really liked Will Ferrell in this mm. movie. I love Will Ferrell. He's hilarious. And I think he's doing a good job with the role that he's given. But his character and the whole like Mattel aspect of this movie kind of just serves as a reminder that like at the back of my head the whole time I'm like, oh yeah, this is product placement, mm-hmm. which kind of takes me out of the the story that I, I feel so invested in. Sure. Um, the, the third or the, the final act, I, I don't, I haven't thought through how many acts there actually are, but the final act of this movie, I genuinely think is like brilliant. Um, it gets really metaphorical and mature and it maintains its humor and all of that is wonderful. But yeah, there, there were quite a few points where I'm like, do I, I, this is not for me anymore, which was frustrating. Who is it for? Like the car chase that feels like it's for families. It feels like it's Mm -hmm. for kids. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Like I agree with Brett's point that like, this is an adult movie that a kid could enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think I would have, and like, Beggars can't be choosers. Who am I to tell Greta Gerwig how to make a movie? But like, I I wish it was just like I wish it was more leaning into like the Barbies are in Barbie Land, and we're gonna show what's going on here. Mm. Because when the Barbies are in Barbie Land, I think that's when the movie's at its best. There was so much production care gone into Barbie Land that I think that's a very very popular take. What were you gonna say, baby? I <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was condescending. I. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I should have just let it go. But I couldn't help but laugh at the baby voice that you just gave me it to was ask really my opinion. Dumb. I'm sorry. Um I I agree really strongly, Bryce. I think that I feel a little bit differently, like nitpick wise between our two opinions about, you know, about who it's meant for and how I interact with the movie based on who it's meant for. I'm very bothered by my Greta Gerwig movie standing behind Mattel yeah, and consumerism and at the end of the day just a business like you can have a million funny jokes that are self-aware at Mattel um, but at the end of the day like they they produced the movie for a reason because they know that they're going to sell more and they've been open about it yeah they're completely open about it they're like fully aware of that I wish that there was a way for us to have this same movie where we're harsher on the companies without their money or their say being involved even a little bit. I am not so bothered by that in terms of how much I enjoy the movie or like how I feel about the quality of the movie because I'm aware that we're just we live in a in a system where that is just not a possibility right now like there would be huge lawsuits if we said all of these things you know depreciating the value of the barbie brand without mattel say you can't you i don't know that you can do that i mean obviously there's there's like free speech but then it gets very it gets very gray really quickly whenever the suits get involved and the the movie is tongue in cheek and self-aware about like the capitalistic elements of that are that are inherent with telling a movie about a toy product. Mm-hmm. Like the movie is self-aware, and Will Ferrell does a really good job of 
showing that we're self-aware here. Like we know the problems that we are creating for ourselves. Um, We've had two. See, there was one in 1990. <laughs> there was definitely another one. That's two. That's two right there. Two women CEOs. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I, I agree, Brett. So I think you guys didn't have like patriarchal men answers, but that is that I feel like those, if if I may, those are very, very men answers. That was not my nitpick about the movie, although that's a fair point. That's not what I was paying attention to in terms of nitpicking. I thought they could have driven home. I feel like uh, I feel like this is an unpopular opinion. The true spirit of feminism a little bit more. They touched on it and then didn't elaborate on it. And I think it definitely, I was talking to Josh about this today. It definitely elaborated more on like fourth wave feminism than it does on like what we're trying to evolve feminism to be. Mm -hmm. And why I feel that way is because the way that they touched on it was like, Ken asks Barbie, like, can we spend the night? You know, we've all seen the scene and she's like, why? And she said, because we're girlfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> to do what? <laughs> I'm actually not sure. You know, um, we've all seen that scene. He ain't scene. got no penis. <laughs> he ain't got no penis. Like, and she's like, okay, bye, Ken. It's girls night. Good night. And then they ask later, like, oh, where did the Ken stay? She's like, I'm actually not sure. And then we never hear about it whatsoever. Ken takes over Barbie land and has the other Kens take over Barbie land because they're introduced to the patriarchy in the real world. And they're like, this is kind of good. I feel that was so represent that was represented so well because of course I don't want sorry for dissing men guys but this is I just felt really really I love dissing men it's okay I really really empathized and like resounded with like the response of Ken when he's hurt is to do more hurt Mm -hmm. instead of like talking to Barbie and being like, hey, I don't think you respect me that much. And it's, again, that's what toxic masculinity does. It's like, okay, we don't feel like we have the freedom to represent ourselves, so we're just going to, we're just going to hurt more. We're just going to do that. And so I thought- We're going to impose. We're going to impose. And and I thought that was an incredible representation about what the sole point of the patriarchy is. And I think they- did integration once they had solved everything, once the Barbies took back Barbie land, like I think they did integration quite well of like they kept some of the horsey lamps. They did like they didn't change the some of the design elements like they kept some. So that was the implication that things are like headed more in toward towards like a fair direction. But we still don't know where the Kens are sleeping. Like we still don't know. And I'm not trying to sound like a menace or anything, but like I feel like. That's not the Barbie's job, to be fair. It's definitely the Ken's job. And I definitely, I feel like that was driven home. That like, no, the Kens have to find this for themselves. But I feel like what I would have wanted is like, hey man, you can't hurt us just because you're feeling hurt. That's not acceptable. Maybe that's a lot to ask for is like more boundary setting. But that was my biggest nitpick. I was like, oh man, okay. Um, how can we, <laughs> in my therapist and training brain, I'm like, how do we avoid this for the future? <laughs> you know, it's like, how do we, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? And it's like by preventative care. Um, but I think that's asking for a lot. I think that was just my, that's why it's a nitpick, you know, of like, I wouldn't ask for anything more, but I would have liked to see that more fairly represented. On the other hand, again, I have never felt more feministically inspired 
like I have not felt a feminist inspiration in a very long time just because the way that feminism works right now is either there's not a lot of nuance to it and um, I'm all about nuance um, especially as a non-binary person but I'm still I'm presenting so I still I consider myself like a, a rabid rabid um, feminist um, <laughs> so I think there was a lot in this movie that like just I think their representation of like the way Barbies view themselves and the way that like women would like to feel like we belong versus we um versus like how the real world views us. I haven't seen a representation. I, to speak for you, <laughs> uh, I feel like as someone who is often perceived as a woman, you can speak to a lot of the the things that feminism speaks to because I mean a lot of the point of it is like how are we being perceived as women and it's like if you're being perceived that way it doesn't matter what you are correct or who you are it's yeah. like perceiving people in this way has negative repercussions and the movie is exploring that it was perfect it was really really it really woke me up i was like jesus <laughs> we really do live in a men's world like we say that to each other all the time that we live in a men's world but i <laughs> Correct choice. You tried to fist bump <laughs> Brett. Unbelievable. We you hate shit. women. We rule this shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I thought it was so significant that like a men that a man that feels out of power would of course seek men that treat themselves like powerful people. Mm-hmm. And that a woman who knows she's powerful is like constantly grasping at it. And that's Margot Robbie in this movie. She's like, well, and like, I, I just don't understand why everything isn't just fixed. Like, this shouldn't be run by men. It's insane that it's run by men. The repercussions of it being run by men are batshit. Yeah, I thought the aspect of beauty was really significant. I thought the existentialism in finding yourself beautiful and like the role that plays in a patriarchal society was like fucking incredible. Yeah, I just felt very like, God, we need to stand up for women more. We need to stop. I need to stop being nice. That was my take. The end. I think I'm confused a little bit about uh, your point about like what about it means feminism to you. And when when you were saying like specifically about where are the Ken sleeping, are are you saying that like the the male existence within feminism is like unresolved by what the story is saying? I felt that it's a tricky line to walk. I think I wasn't, I think I was like elaborating and like sorting it out as I was talking. I think it's a tricky line to walk because if the Barbies give them a place to sleep, us as audience members who are actively in a patriarchal society has to take that as like they're mothering them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what I'm saying by like, we don't know, where the Kens will sleep is like, why, why don't we know that? Do you know what I mean? Like that's still, they still need shelter. We only know that Barbies have the dream house. We only know that like, yeah, that like Barbies. The, the point of feminism isn't making women better than men. Mm-hmm. It's equality. And yeah. I, I mean, ultimately like this movie is not super concerned with masculinity. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Like this movie is for, Women and there's nothing wrong with that story being told. In fact, I think it's a story that needs to be told. Yes. So I think I think the filmmakers were likely just like, this, this is not the point of the story, so I we're not know. going to mention it. Um, well, and to, but I get why me, that might be upsetting for mm-hmm. me. Why I feel like it's important to me is 
uh, A, I'm somebody who has more experience than he should with toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that I grew up with and it's something that I regrettably have been a part of Mm -hmm. um, and I'm still learning to be better all the time. Mm -hmm. I was very moved by the very end essentially of the movie where I feel that those issues are addressed and resolved, which is... Are you talking specifically with Ken? Yeah. Yeah. So I felt very similarly. He, well, in the grand scheme of things, yes. But he still doesn't have a place to sleep. I'm, I'm being nitpicky, though. I, I, I think Brett might be getting more at, like, how his character changes and how yeah. he comes to understand his what he's ro- done yeah. wrong. And, well, it's not about him as an individual. It's about, it's about what the Kens... Or in this case, replacing you know Ken with men. So mm-hmm. what the men in the in the story learn, which is that like it doesn't matter their their place in in life doesn't matter in reference to the women in the story and how they govern themselves. But what's important is that they have a thorough understanding of who they are and what's right. Yes. Um. Yeah. And that's a that's a human thing. Yeah. Like that. Despite this movie absolutely not being for me, I found a lot of just human elements to the story, like exactly what Brett was saying. And also, like, the way that Ken behaves, the the main Ryan Gosling Ken, the way that he behaves is, like, an exemplification and an over-exaggeration of all of my masculine traits, mm. where it's like, I get, like, it's ridiculous and it's played for a laugh, but I get why he acts the way that he acts in every single scene. I can empathize with that. Yeah. And That's like, <laughs> he's not a bad person. He is just like, he feels like he has been underrepresented mm-hmm. and discriminated against. And he is shown a world where not only is, is the, that no longer the case, but the roles are flipped and he actually has power just because of who he is as yeah. a person. And of course that's going to be attractive to him. And again, it's all played for a laugh. Like it really leans hard into like, he starts grabbing all of the books on, on patriarchy and why men rock. Um, <laughs> patriarchy and the role of horses. <laughs> yes. Uh, but like, I can empathize with that. And, and when he ultimately realizes like how problematic he has been and has like a genuine apology and a heart to heart with Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. And I also really appreciate how they don't end up together because that's not the point of the story. Um, that needed to happen. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. needed to happen. It, it would have felt so undeserved and not to the point of the movie mm. had they made up and been like, actually, we are together now. It's like the whole point of this movie is finding value in yourself for who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's very... Explicitly yeah. not in how you interact and are perceived by other people. And so it's it's essential. Like, it's not just a good thing. It's essential that they don't end up together. Yeah. Because then they are finding value in other people. My arms keep sticking to the table and it makes because a Because you're really so sticky sweaty. Um, I never sweat in my life. Can, can, we, can we talk about... Just briefly, how excellent, again, the two leads of this movie are, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. We were talking on the way home about how it's very possible that they get a lead and a supporting nomination 
And then there's also a lead in supporting nomination from Oppenheimer as well would be really cool. Margot Robbie can do anything. I genuinely have no idea how she did this performance. I don't. Uh. It's incredibly impressive. And I feel like actually in what I'm hearing about the movie, post movie watching, because of course, like every single YouTube video I'm going to watch now has something to do with Oppenheimer or mm-hmm. Barbie. Ryan Gosling's performance is talked about much more. And I think that it's excellent. It's really, really good. But I don't see any reason why it should be talked about more than Mario. I fucking agree. But it's because I don't want to be like, I don't want to boil it down to like, because we still live in a patriarchy. Because I I know that's a very unnuanced take. Put the boy in boil it down. Kind of like. But did you see Ryan Gosling's abs? Mm. The suit is peeled, man. Did you, wait, did you guys hear? So. My like two o'clock in the theater, mm-hmm. one row in front oh. of me. There was a group of men. <laughs> yeah. At one point, Ryan Gosling just starts doing push up or uh, pull ups pull up shirtless. Mm-hmm. I I heard one of these men go, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> me and Wyatt turned to each other and laughed at that point. It like, was so funny. He was just in awe, and I was like, "I I feel you, brother. This <laughs> guy looks so good." That reminded me. Um, and we're already past the point about talking about this double feature as being like a cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Colleen, if you heard this, I told Bryce about this pre-movie that somebody at my job was talking about, not to me specifically, it was like a conversation that I was like adjacent to. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how they were so pumped to see Barbie mm-hmm. and like just exclusively cited, <laughs> quote, queer coded Ryan Gosling as Ken. That's funny. Um, and I, I, yeah. He nailed that. Um, one aspect of the movie that I I realized that I really really love is I think I re- I think I might have already said this, but like uh, an elaboration on how um, I had a whole thought, but I think it's already what I said earlier of just like oh the the sense of patriarchy was incredibly in- depicted just flawlessly. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I'm- that's pretty funny. I'm just about out of stuff I, to say about I've Barbie. I've been out of stuff to say just because of how hot this room is. So I'm really sorry. struggling. This guy always has something to complain about. Um, I'm tired. Well, if I want to say anything to the Please. audience, it's that you are not responsible for anybody else's feelings because they're going to pass. And if you are a person who identifies as a, as a woman or was socialized as one, Barbie is the perfect movie to remind yourself that you are not responsible for the weight of the world as much as it may seem like that. And a lot of the roles that are being assigned to us uh, are really unfair. And the way that we're going to break out of it, and not that it's that simple, but like is by finding community with each other through feminism and through um, education and by learning how to have a really, really wholesome respect for humanity and uh, above all ourselves maybe not above all but um yeah i think i think the role of um i think if more people learn to love and respect themselves they will not inflict damage on other people i hope that's true yeah but there's a lot of roles being placed on us all the time all the time and forever and we do not have to subscribe to them that's not our job just have to be ourselves the end Barbie taught me that. Very well said, Colleen. (laughs) Are are these final thoughts? Yeah. Okay. So I just want to say that I really liked Barbie. Um, It was really cool how she was a Barbie girl. She was in a Barbie world. I noticed that like she was made of plastic 
and some people have even gone as far as to say that it's fantastic. Um, I've noticed that, uh, it, like, it, my own perception, the way that I can see things. Can you tell me what's under this hat? You can take her anywhere. There's something under this hat, Brett. Can you uh, grab it? You Brett, can, can you even brush her hair. Brett, can you look under so the hat just real quick? He flipped me off. <laughs> he flipped me off under the hat. Okay. You have a real opinion. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoyed Barbie. I wanted to say this earlier, but I couldn't find a place to fit it in. I, I think that Oppenheimer is a probably better made movie. I, I thoroughly enjoy Barbie more. I think Barbie is the one that I, I might find myself more likely to go back and watch. I felt the same way. I have essentially the same thing written in my notes. Okay. I think I think I like Oppenheimer more, yeah. and I think it's a better movie. My flaws with Barbie, and I didn't even get into all of them, are much bigger. Same. But it's a two-hour movie, and at no point is it not just like a fun time. It's so, so funny. Fun. So fun. Very good time uh, at the Christopher movies. Christopher Nolan still needs to learn how to write women. It's really Certainly. not even close. And it's really funny that you go from that into the most female-centric movie that I've probably ever seen, actually, except That's women really talking. That's really funny, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, true. Yeah. Double feature. Double feature women talking and Barbie. Barbie. Is probably <laughs> the, the next one. They are the exact same oh movie, except... Different fonts. Yeah. That's kind of funny, One is actually. One is chiller. Oh, my God. No! And the other is Times New Roman. Oh, my God. This concludes my thoughts. The other is comp... The other is like bubble letters. Yeah, it it was not Times New Roman was absolutely not the correct font to say. <laughs> you Maybe need to Comic see, Sans. You need to see Comic Sans with her. Colleen need to see women talking. Very it's, good film. Uh you're gonna ball your eyes out. Well, I'm crazy. reading the I book. I know I did. And it's like really intense. So I'm pretty excited. I knew you bought it. I didn't know you were actively reading it. I didn't it. I didn't buy it. It's on my little subscription book app. So it's on their little subscription book app. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing. I'm being told in my ear right now it's on their little <laughs> oh subscription book app. Correction. Please continue, Price. Really like this movie. Um, Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig wrote a really entertaining and funny script. Excellent performances all across the board. We haven't mentioned any of the non-leads in this movie. Breaking. They're all great, too. Stacked on, stacked on, stacked! It's also a stacked cast, and I wish, everyone is just batting. I wish there was more time to speak on both, because they, they both movies deserve so much attention. Yeah. To talk about the more minute details, like the lesser supporting roles yeah this great production design great direction great performances great time at the movies very 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 happy i saw barbie i brett and i already kind of mentioned our final thoughts about like comparing the two. Oh, colleen you have do you have a preference uh i think i i feel the same way i loved oppenheimer i was very impacted by both movies but um Oppenheimer definitely had a lasting impression on me and it and it and it had what I look for in movies. Yeah, but Barbie, I would go back and watch Barbie again, like again and again. I would do that for Oppenheimer too. Um, yeah. Valid. Yeah. It was a great time. Hopefully some of our audience members got to do a, a fun little double feature as well. So there's actually a stat surrounding this. Oh really? Oh! I, uh, I was curious about this. Opening weekend they've said that about two hundred thousand people they know of have done the double feature, which is actually a little less than I thought it would be, but it's cool to have a number that you can attach I did, to it. I did have some some uh, budget stats that yes. I meant to mention at the beginning. 
I guess it's worth noting now. Barbie, $145 million budget, made $155 million in the first three days. That's a crazy amount of money. Really, and it's going to really just make amount. so much more. Uh, really cool. Highest opening weekend for a female director uh, of all time. Woo! Also the biggest opening for a comedy movie of all time. Let's go. We so did really it, big for Barbie. <laughs> we did it. Round of applause. <laughs> uh, Round of applause for women. Oppenheimer, $100 million budget, made about $80 million in the first three days. So definitely a lot less than Barbie, but still going to, to pass. Uh, I believe it was projected at $40 million for opening weekend, so it literally doubled that. Wow! So, Sorry, what um, was the budget? Did you say that? $100 million, mm-hmm. made $80 million in the first three days. Together, they were the fourth biggest movie weekend ever. That's not adjusting for inflation. Uh, Trills, <laughs> ironically, Avengers Endgame, Infinity War... Force Awakens. And it's like, those are some of the highest grossing movies on their own of all time. So it's like, (laughs) they're kind of carrying that stat. I feel like split two ways, this has to be one of the highest grossing like double features of all time. Also, that makes it the highest box office weekend not led by an established franchise, which is really cool. What? Oh, you mean by like Marvel? Yeah, rather than Marvel or Star Wars. (gasps) Uh, So yeah, these movies are doing really well. I really hope that our audience enjoyed them as much as we did. I would imagine we'll be seeing both of these movies on our end of year lists come uh, December, January time. Do I get to um, be on that podcast? Certainly. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for listening. We'll, we'll talk about that later, Bryce. Uh, I, I, in private, we'll, we'll speak about okay. that. going to break up with <laughs> We'll speak about the specifics of the end of the year podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I am talking directly to the audience now. Uh, if you enjoyed... Leave us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. We really appreciate that. That helps out a lot. If you don't already follow us on Instagram at Last of the Moon Pod, over there we will post about every time we upload a new episode, so you can get on that ish early, uh, as well as uh, get some fun little background stuff. We'll be posting uh, some photos from our Barbenheimer excursion on the Last of the Moon account, uh, so check that out. Thank you very much for listening. Again, we would last on the moon for you. We hope you would do the same for us. We love you. Good night. Bye-bye. I love you. J-Rod, give me top. All that Sloppenheimer. (laughs) 